Welcome to On The Ave, the ultimate space for multifamily conversations. I'm your host, Tina Miserandino. And I'm Julia Pincus. Join us in every episode as we dive into the vibrant world of multifamily living, bring together owners, operators, residents, and industry experts to shape their stories, discuss challenges, and explore groundbreaking ideas. From the lens of those who shape these property experiences, we uncover the nuances of this dynamic field. Whether you're a property owner, a dedicated manager, a resident with unique experiences, or someone working behind the scenes in multifamily, we've got it all covered. Our podcast is the go-to platform to unravel the mysteries, celebrate successes, and tackle the obstacles faced in the multifamily realm. So buckle up and get ready for an insightful journey where we spill the beans on everything multifamily. Get ready to gain fresh perspectives, hear compelling narratives, and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-evolving industry. Welcome to On The Ave, where we tell it all multifamily style. We recently had the pleasure of grabbing some time with Jeff Cron, our Executive Vice President of Client Strategy at the annual NMHC conference in San Diego. We were excited to sit down with Jeff as he has a unique career path from professional football player to the multifamily real estate business. We sat down with Jeff in an outdoor space as the event venue was quite packed, so please excuse any outdoor sounds that you may hear. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Let's dive in. So Jeff, thank you so much for being with us today. We are really excited to have you on. Jeff, is an Avenue 5 Fiverr, as we like to call it, in the client strategy team. And we are really excited to chat with you. We thought you would be the perfect guest for us with the Super Bowl around the corner. Jeff, you have a football, uh, professional football background. I do. So we would love to hear a bit about that and how you kind of made your transition into the property management corporate real estate world. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on. It's really exciting that we're doing this podcast, and I think it's a great thing for Avenue 5. But yeah, so my football career actually started from the time I was born. I actually, uh, my my parents were still in college, and my dad was playing football at the U of A uh, when when they got pregnant with me. And so... um, it has been kind of a lifelong thing in our family. We're multi-generation out of Tucson, Arizona. Um, my great-great-grandfather was the very first team captain at the University of Arizona. And my great-great-uncle was the first team captain. And so when I go down to U of A, it's fun because the lineage that will be on the wall of past players literally starts in the late 1800s and goes all the way up through my generation. Wow. So uncles played, grandfather played, great-great-grandfathers played. <clears throat> I ended up being the first one in my family to not go to U of A. Oh, wow. So was I was born in Canada, but my whole family was from Tucson. My dad was playing football up in the Canadian League. And so from the time, I can't even remember my f- my first memories of football and wanting to play football, wanting to follow in the, in the footsteps of my father and past generations. And so in my mind, it was a foregone conclusion, as unreasonable as it sounds, that I would end up playing professional football. Wow. So cool. And so do you have a son that's playing now too? Is it? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's really interesting. I actually thought my, so I have three boys. Uh, My oldest is 15. Uh, He's a sophomore in high school right now. And then I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and Jackson, my oldest, I didn't think was going to be a football player. And then uh, right before his freshman year in high school, 
he came to me and said, hey, Dad, I want to play football. And I was like, well, a little late to the game, but let's get going. And ironically enough, my whole family had – my father was a quarterback. I was a quarterback. Our ancestors were quarterbacks as well. Always been on the offensive side of the ball. And so he, like myself, is breaking with tradition and is actually playing defense. So he's starting strong safety for Arcadia High School. So cool. And then which team or teams were you with? When you played. Yeah, so I <clears throat> I was actually out of high school, um, recruited and had committed to Harvard to play football at Harvard. And at the last minute, I decided that I wanted to play Division One major football and wanted to walk on at a school. So I tried to go to U of A. Ironically enough, because of some weird relationship stuff, I ended up not at U of A and was the first person in 100 years to go outside of U of A. And I went to ASU, which is Oh, the wow. oldest rivalry Rival. in the country. Yeah. yeah, the Territorial Cup has been around since the late 1800s. And so that was a bit of a shock for my whole family. Uh, you know, I grew up in Tucson, going to U of A football games, basketball games, and now here I was uh, on the enemy side of the lines. Uh, and I walked on at Arizona State, had an academic scholarship, um, ended up somehow becoming the starter my freshman year and was awarded a scholarship. And then I played two years at Arizona State in 2000-2001. And then we got a new coaching staff, and I decided to transfer. And so I ended up back at UMass Amherst and played my final two seasons there. And then um, post-college, uh, had the opportunity to go up to the Canadian Football League, the CFL, which is also the route that my father took. So I signed with the Toronto Argonauts and decided it wasn't a fit for me. And about a weekend, I quit and decided to – I hadn't finished school at the time and decided to go back and finish at UMass while still pursuing uh, my football aspirations. And I remember I had graduated in December of 2004, and it was January of 2005, and I was about to hang it up. And um, I was actually planning on doing a year-long trip in Europe and going to work at a youth hostel in Amsterdam for six months and then travel for six months. And I was two weeks away from, from doing this, and my agent called, and he said, hey, the Pittsburgh Steelers want to give you a tryout. And so I jumped on a plane. I wasn't even ready, but I jumped on a plane three days later and then had a workout with them that lasted maybe an hour. I threw five balls. They were in a playoff run uh, that year, and I thought my career was over. I'm like, this is the last-ditch effort. Um, I had worked out for them, and three days before I was supposed to leave, I got a call from my agent saying, hey, they just sent over a two-year contract. So changed my plans, um, signed my two-year contract, free agent contract, and then was allocated. Back then, they had NFL Europe. And so what they would do is take players uh, that were kind of fringe bubble players, and they would put them in NFL Europe to develop. And you had an opportunity to play in Europe against other NFL guys, and um, it allowed you to be exempt during the cuts in preseason. So essentially, you were going to be on the roster. So it was a great move. Ironically enough, my college coach from UMass – ended up as the quarterback coach for the Steelers. And so for me, I'm like, this is it. I'm I'm going to play, you know, 10, 14 years, even if I was a backup, just, you know, be be in that life and fulfill my dream. And so went to Tampa, got allocated to the Berlin Thunder, and was in camp with them, got named the starter of the Berlin team. And come to find out, I had a birth defect, a congenital birth defect that um, I had known I had high blood pressure. There were some issues with my heart, but I found out from the NFL team doctors that I had to fly to Cleveland Clinic. So I flew to Cleveland Clinic. This is all, this all happens within the span of 60 days. Fly to Cleveland Clinic, have a day of testing done. At the end of the day, the head of cardiology there said, are you ready? And I said, for what? And he's like, your career's done. 
And he said, we have to do emergency heart surgery tomorrow or there's a chance you're not going to make it. So within the span of this is 90 days at this point, um, I went from signing a two-year contract, getting allocated to NFL Europe, having a cut exemption to where I would more than likely make the team. And the Steelers at the time were a very good team, which is great. My college coach was the quarterback coach. And I found out that I was done. And so... You know, that's that's a lot to absorb. Yeah. And after surgery, I ended up spending five days in ICU a week at Cleveland Clinic. And finally, when I was able to fly, flew home to Arizona. And it was like, now what? You yeah. know, what, what do you do after all of that? You're at the doorstep of your dream and it's over. And at the time, my father and some, some of his partners had started Alliance Residential Company. And so I was like, well, I'll just go work for yeah. Alliance and um, just tr- try to figure out life. I wanted to go into football coaching and some other things, but jumped into construction at Alliance and never left. And here we are, this was 2000, uh, I believe it was June of 2005. And so I'm coming up on 19 years in the industry. Oh my gosh, that's That's, wild. Yeah, that's such a cool story. I feel like you hear so many people talking about how they really stumbled into the industry, but you take that and you take that to the next level. That is such an interesting journey. And we'll get into the multifamily stuff soon, I promise. But what for you, I know it came to a you know, disappointing end, but what was the highlight, you would say, of your career as a football player? There were a lot. Um, I'll, do a, I'll do a couple if, if you don't mind. So one of, one of the very cool things, the Steelers were very good to me. And um, that year that I would have been on the team, they ended up going to the Super Bowl and playing against the Seattle Seahawks. Sorry for all you Seattle folks. Yeah, we're based in Seattle. Exactly. Um, And I believe this was January of 2006. They actually got Super Bowl tickets for my father and I, flew us out. We got to stay at the team hotel. They ended up winning the game and we got to go to the after party and hang out with Troy Polamalu, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Eminem was the headline. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it was (laughs) Kid Kid Rock was there as well. Uh, So So that ended up being a very cool experience to, to, be in the team hotel, go to the Super Bowl, be able to hang out with them all afterwards. And it really felt like I was a part of the team, even though I completely wasn't. Um, That was a great highlight. And then I think the other thing was walking on an Arizona State. You know, I'd had this vision in my mind that I could play at a high level. And and everyone believes in themselves, but in the back of your head, you're like, can I really do this? Can I play Division I football? And the odds were stacked. There were four really good quarterbacks at Arizona State. They were two years removed from the number two team in the country. And somehow, some way, as a walk-on, I ended up starting my freshman year. Wow. And, and getting that the scholarship uh, awarded to me after having the academic scholarship was incredible because it was like the lifelong dream fulfilled and come to fruition. So it was, it was a cool experience. That's so cool. So what would you say when you transitioned over to Alliance was you kind of, you started in a construction capacity and then I'm, you know, I'm, your career took you into different yeah. journeys, but what was, what was a challenge going from that to, you know, yeah. I think the biggest, so doing construction is a little different. You're still outdoors. You, you have more of a free schedule. You're, you're early when you get there and you're early when you leave, right? It's yeah. like a four to 1 PM type job. Um, so it wasn't that big of an adjustment cause it was, it was physical, but two years in, I transitioned into the office, uh, for Alliance, um, doing ironically enough, it's kind of still the same, uh, some random roles. I was trying to help acquire some properties. I I was overseeing due diligence uh, for properties and then doing some IT functions. But the thing I struggled with most was going into an office setting and sitting there for eight to 10 hours a day. I wasn't a guy that sat around, right? So 
I learned about coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two years in, I, I had never really drank caffeine because it was yeah. it was kind of the antithesis of working out. You so didn't want to have how it that's overload. synonymous with the corporate yeah. world is drinking coffee. That definitely right? doesn't help you sit still. So yeah. I'm curious how that went. Yeah, <laughs> but that yeah. was the biggest struggle was was getting your mindset to where you're sitting all day long. Yeah. And it comes with its own challenges. I yeah. mean, there were time I wouldn't call it depression, but it was depressing. You're sitting yeah. there, you're indoors, you're looking outside, and it's right. like it's all of these day. things that I was doing yeah. before, <laughs> traveling around the world, playing games, the adrenaline rush. Right. Now I'm pushing out spreadsheets and pro right. formas and yeah. doing work that, you know, felt menial, you know, at the time. It yeah. just menial tasks uh, that didn't that didn't really fulfill what you wanted to do, but it was like a mindset set shift of all right, well, we have to rebuild the foundation. It's just yeah. like learning anything for the first time. You got to do the grunt work at the beginning, right. but that was, it was by far the hardest transition was just sitting there for yeah. eight to 10 hours a day. I can see that for I sure. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the challenging parts. Was there anything that you found specifically transferable from football to the corporate world? <clears throat> I think a lot of it's transferable. I think, you know, football is one thing, but I think also the position I played being quarterback was specific to just leadership in general. The yeah. one thing about being a quarterback is is that you have to know your position, but then you have to know everything your offense is doing. All 10 other guys or 11 total guys on offense and everything the defense is doing. And then I think the other big transferable thing is being able to communicate what you're trying to do, but then making quick decisions. You have two or three seconds mm -hmm. to look at your line, look at your receivers, look yeah. at what the defense is doing and then drop back while 300 pound gentlemen are trying to kill you and make a decision. And, and I think yeah. that one of the, one of the big lessons I take, take away from that in a leadership capacity is the job of a quarterback is to get the ball into the best player's hands and let them do their thing. Mm -hmm. While you have to know everything, while you have to make sure that people are lined up correctly and you have to have the framework, right? Your job is to put it in the receiver's hands, to give it to the running back, to make sure you don't turn the ball over to the defense and then let them do their thing, right? And, and I think it's an important lesson for all of us as leaders is there, there's a time for micromanagement, but I think there's a time for macro management where you step back, you say, I trust this person, I've worked with this person, here's the job I need them yeah, to do, and then huge. let them run. Yeah. And yeah. so I think those I are that. the immediate transferable things. Love yeah. that. And I think in the industry at large too, being able to pivot quickly, I'm sure you learned that just with your whole journey, um, that's, Obviously, very yeah, I mean, it's great. We, we talk about in our industry, be able to call an audible and, the, and it's literally yeah. what you do in football. Right? Yeah, you yeah. walk up to the line, things aren't aligned the way you want and you audible out of that play into a play that's that's more advantageous. And you have a 25 second clock to do all of that and then yeah. three seconds during a play to execute it. So. Yeah. So that's really cool. So pivoting from football a bit, you've been with Avenue 5 now for just almost two years. Coming up on two years, yeah. Yeah, so um, what about your role at in the client strategy side of the business do you enjoy most? The fun part for me was in, in my previous life, I had set up and run a national business development platform that took years to create. Coming onto Avenue 5, you, we all know Lynn Owen, yeah. uh, and she's running CSG right now, has done all of the heavy lifting. I mean, for the last two, two or you know, three years now, three and a half years, she has built uh, a department, she's built an infrastructure, she's built a system, and it's really fun to come in and see her approach to it and having my past knowledge of how I've approached it and seen other groups approach it and marry those two approaches. Uh, we work really well together. I think my biggest role in CSG is to... Uh, work on and consult on our programs and processes and efficiencies. Like how can we make the people working on our team have less administrative work 
and be able to be forward facing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have to give Lynn a lot of credit for, for what yeah. she's built and the team that she's put in place because we all know we're growing. It hasn't stopped. Yes. It's been a meteoric rise and, and the way things are set, I, I think it's going to continue. So cool. That's great. Um, and you're really well known at Avenue 5 for kind of spearheading a lot of our innovation and property technology and all of those things. And so just curious, what are you most excited about from an innovation and, and technology standpoint right yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, there's three major things we're working on right now. <clears throat> and they're not that flashy. They're not even really innovative, if you will. But it, it's pushing our initiative of being a forward-thinking company. And the three things are self-guided tours, which we all know about. And in reality, there's a lot of people that have adopted it. But we're working with our Yardi provider to roll that out. Mm -hmm. The second thing uh, that we're working on is on the maintenance side. I think there's, uh, there has been, as an industry and as a whole, uh, a lack of focus on maintenance. Uh, our personnel, our training, our efficiencies, the processes. So we've partnered with HappyCo, um, who we use for due diligence, but now we're using their maintenance operation platform called Happy Property. Happy Property, I think, is going to bring a lot of efficiencies to our people. It'll bring visibility and transparency into their productivity. It'll allow us to train better, to hire better. And so we're excited about that. We piloted it at the end of 23. And in 24, I believe we're, we're trying to roll out 30 or 40,000 units on it. Um, and, and to us, it's very accretive to the sites. It's not an additional cost. It's really a swap out of another system. So we're excited about that. But we're also excited about, in Happy Co., they have a software called Happy Force, which is a maintenance concierge platform. Um, and, and again, that allows us to take some of the administrative burden off of our maintenance staff and put it now with a concierge trained professional that's been in the industry for a long time. And then I think the other exciting thing that we're working on before I go into the truly innovative stuff is um, automated delinquency collections. We, we work on the post-resident collections, but right now it's been challenging times. We went through COVID, there was a lot of rent delays and our ownership groups really want us to step up and be able to collect the monies that are owed to them, but do it in a fiduciary, respectful, tactful way to the resident in understanding that everyone has difficulties and challenges. And so we're working on a couple solutions right now that we're pretty excited uh, to roll out, but it's in, I would call beta phase in terms of what we're assessing. And as you can hear the sirens in the background, yeah, it, it truly is an emergency in the industry. Right. And so we're, SOS. we're very focused on that. Um, but as far as the forward thinking innovation piece, we all have heard centralization, which is largely a, a buzz term. I think we all want to get there, Avenue 5 included. I think it's challenging as a third-party manager. Um, some of the dynamics, geographic challenges, uh, ownership adoption on some of these things where what role do you centralize? Can you truly reduce payroll on site? Um, but then the other buzz term that I think is going to make a huge impact, and I think we all inherently know this, is AI, right? Yeah. And how do we infuse that into our day-to-day -day operation lives to create more efficiencies? And I think it's in its infancy. I think other industries are further along, but I think AI is going to make an impact not only on our on-site staff, right? Imagine if you could automate a bunch of things that are manual right now, even lead gen using AI voice to do your do your follow-up, to do your lead generation for, for on-site leasing. But then can it automate reclass and accrual workbooks? Can it automate bank recs? Can we reduce, not reduce, but allow our, our corporate associates to be able to do more because they don't have to do as, as much administrative work and really focus on the important stuff and the critical items on that. So can we reduce payroll on site? Can we reduce payroll in the corporate office and be able to then, I think it'll allow us to grow more intelligently with clients that are aligned to that. So AI, AI is a big deal. It's coming. Yeah. I don't think we can avoid it. And I think we have to embrace it. 
Do you do you look to any specific other industries outside of multifamily for inspiration when it comes to innovation? Yeah, you do. I think we all do. the The challenge has been, and it's interesting to to hear people's perspectives from outside of the industry. That they say, "How has multifamily not come as far as the other industries?" Um, it's a people business. It it's it can go away from that. It can deviate somewhat. But it's also challenging because there, there are core players that have been in the game for a long time. There's Yardi, there's Entrada, there's RealPage. Uh, and so some of it is the inability to switch certain systems because there's a comfort level with them. Um, and, and some of it is we will always have a human component to it. And so how do we train the mentality of innovation? I look at innovation as a definition of being bleeding, leading edge of technology and implementation. But I also think of innovation as a mindset. Yeah. And I think people in our industry are are a little bit laggard on that. I think that we've all gotten comfortable in how we do things. And it's if the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think that's one of our challenges. But I do think as we continue to see the fruits of some of these technologies and how it can make our lives easier, not hopefully not lazier, um, but easier and allow us to be more productive, I think the mentality will change. And, and you know, I've been very impressed having been at Avenue 5 for almost two years at the openness and the willingness for us to look at things differently to think outside of the box but then to intelligently adopt and then implement because we're also not irresponsible in set in testing everything i I think you you guys you know in the marketing group do a great job on vetting things a lot before we ever bring them to people and we're working you know in the in the various verticals um to do the same thing to be responsible so before we introduce something it's well thought out there's a plan in place we can execute it and it's cost accretive to the right. to the property. And it's solving a real problem. Yes, yeah. right. It's you not really just innovation for the sake solved. of innovation. Exactly. And I think, you know, sometimes, not to talk too much, but the other industries, I think, just try to throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. And I think we do a pretty good job of being more realistic in that. But it's also why our industry, multifamily operations, is one of the most stable industries in, in the world. One, because we're dealing with a core need of people, which is housing. Right. Right. But two, I don't think we've gotten over our skis in investment in a lot of these things. And so we're we're very responsible. We have a fiduciary responsibility to ourselves and clients. And I think it's it's bode well for us. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. I mean, it's overwhelming the amount of prop tech that's out there. But like you said, it's not just doing, you know, adding these things on to add them on. It's really having a very you know, there's a reason why we're bringing them on. You're solving a problem and and a gap or some sort that we you know, are looking forward to solve. And uh, uh, the systematic approach to looking at things holistically and from a big picture view is important, right? You, there's so many point solutions to your point where you could say, hey, this could do this, this could do that. Yeah. But then how does that, how does A work with Z? Right. And then how does it impact Integrating, K? Integrating, yeah. And, and what is the, the whole experience for, for our associates, our owners, and then our residents, right? So it's a, it's a complicated business. As simple it as is. it seems, it's complicated. You have to think of so many different you angles do. and you do. approaches, audiences. So... Jeff, this has been so great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Before we go, I'd love to hear if you could leave um, a young professional with a bit of advice, Um, even from just from your lens. um, They want to get into the real estate industry, um, particularly multifamily. What would you what would you give? I would say don't be afraid to swallow your pride and ego at the beginning. I think that we talked about it earlier, the struggles of sitting in the office, of yeah. doing things that feel menial. Um, it's, it's a lot like a sport or a workout to where at the beginning it's the basics. 
So I, I think being able to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe feels like a step back. You're coming out of college or whatever education background you have, and you have high aspirations and you want to do amazing things. Don't be afraid to step back and lay the groundwork and foundation for yourself. Ironically enough, we build apartments uh, as well or work with clients that do. And the most important thing is the foundation. If it cracks, the whole building falls. So be able to, to do those menial tasks, to seek to understand how those things are going to build your future. Um, and, and then don't be afraid to put in the work. I, I think that a lot of things have happened over the last four years. I think a lot of people are burned out, but I think the people that are dedicated and, and willing to just work hard at whatever they're doing will rise to the top. I love that. I love that. I think particularly in our industry too, multifamily, I felt early on in my career that you're wearing so many hats. I mean, I was at a smaller group than Avenue 5, but that was where you really learned. Like mm -hmm. you're kind of doing... I was in sitting in on design meetings, but I was also in an operational function. Like you're kind of doing so many different things, but that's really how you learn. And these tasks can sometimes be menial, but especially at your, in your younger years in your career, but you learn so much. So yeah. What's great. the saying? If you want to change the world, start by making your bed. And, yeah, I, and I think that's, so you know, start by doing the spreadsheets or the reports yes. that, because at some point you'll be able to put your feet in the shoes of the people you're asking to do these things uh, in order to make the business run. So. I love it. Well, before we let you go, if anybody wants to find you, if you want to share your LinkedIn where we can connect with you. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as, as Jeff Cron. And then obviously my email at Avenue 5 is jcron at Avenue 5. Awesome. awesome. Thank Thanks, you so Josh. Much. Yes, this thank has been so fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to On The Ave. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review for us on whichever podcast platform you enjoy most. Additionally, if you or anyone you know are in the multifamily space and are interested in joining us on a future episode, or if you simply want to connect with us, feel free to reach out directly at ontheav at avenue5.com. Until next time, see you soon.